ਜਾਂਦੇ Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Well, how about them Pelicans? Say what? The New Orleans Pelicans. No Brandon Ingram. B.I. can't go because of concussions. Zion has a bruise. Can't go. Two top scorers, not available. Injured. Taking on Luka and the Mavericks. And yet, the New Orleans Pelicans find a way. 113-111 victory to improve to 3-1 overall on the season. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. On this Wednesday hump day edition of the show, of course, I'm joined in the studio by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. It's Wednesday, so you know we got a good poll question for you. It's once again about Halloween candy. Just to let you know, we're going to have a bonus Halloween candy question for you on Friday. But it's not about what tastes the best. It's about what tastes the worst. (laughs) And courtesy of one of our listeners and fans of the show. But we're going to go with the good one today. So we got our foodie poll question of the week today. And we got a great lineup of guests for you. Sean Paul Harrison from Lopa is going to be joining us at the end of this hour to help preview their weekend event, their latest one, to help honor local heroes. That's coming up at 7.30, the Mad Dog. We're going to catch him before he gets on the cruise ship. My man's taking advantage of the LSU bye week, but the award-winning columnist from Tiger Details will join us to talk LSU's huge win at home over Ole Miss and start looking ahead to the Alabama game. Jay Walker will then hop on with us at 8 o'clock. Big game for the Raging Cajuns. After beating Arkansas State, they go on the road. Short week to take on Southern Miss in Hattiesburg tomorrow night. We'll get a preview of that game. And then at 8.30, Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast will join us to talk all things black and gold. And, of course, we'll have our foodie poll question roundtable discussion with the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, with the intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos, and the wild man, the legend, Steve Wiley. That's all coming up. And love to hear from you. You know that game hotline's open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. I arrived in the studio today to the producer extraordinaire bundled up like an Eskimo. Now, she's taken one of the layers off. The heavy 50-pound weighted... 
talking to yourself over there in the producer studio is not helping, by the way. First of all, no one can hear you because you're not by a microphone. Second of all, the microphone's not on. Just to point out. Just to point out. Rough go of it. Somebody's on the struggle bus this morning. <laughs> After even going to bed at 9 o'clock. You're very... I know it's chilly outside, but you had the 50-pound letterman's jacket on, the flannel shirt underneath, and you got your big... I don't know how to describe the hat. It's a beanie hat. It's it's a beanie hat. Are you under the impression that it's it's only 48 degrees outside, by the way? Oh, yeah, just 48. It's fine. That, that's all. It's not... You're not a, a character on Fargo. I'm a cold person. So that means you, you naturally get cold easily. Yeah. Okay. Do you, knowing this knowledge, because now this has happened a few times, well, you and that microphone are going to have to have a discussion today. Yeah. Oh, I sound a little better now. <laughs> are you pro or anti Snuggy? I'm pro Snuggy. I actually had one growing up. I don't know where it went. I really want one of those big, huge jackets that's like forever really, really big on you. It's like its own blanket. It's like a material of like a Uggs, like the the boots. I have an Ugg comforter, so it's like big and huge and fluffy. So, if you want to get something for Hannah for Christmas, if you just so happen to be her secret Santa by any chance, get her something that's like a blanket, but fluffy like the inside of Uggs. Uggs that can also be a jacket so blanket slash jacket slash material made from uggs i'm gonna find it for you i'm gonna it to you you'll be like oh makes sense and i'm gonna see it i'm gonna say this makes perfect sense for hannah yeah <laughs> i just walked in and you got the hat on and the jacket and the flannel and you're still acting like you're cold and i'm like I nearly wore a short sleeve shirt today. Now, to be fair to you, mm -hmm. I am 300 pounds. So I'm like a grizzly bear. I am naturally insulated. So when other people are cold, I'm really not cold because I have all the girth to keep me warm. Just letting you know, on, on Amazon, it's called the Oversized Wearable Blanket Snuggle Blanket Hoodie. What a name. You have to send me the link now. Because I have a feeling my wife would love to have one of those, too, because she's always getting cold. They look like they're very comfortable. She's like, she's like, I'm so cold. I was like, the rest of us are sweating. Why are you cold? A story as old as time. Man and woman fighting over the thermostat at their house. Oh, yeah. I mean, this morning we were going about, you couldn't find Kenneth's uh, beanie for like from work that he got. He's like, oh, where is my beanie? And then somehow it turned into the theme song for uh, Scooby-Doo. Still looking for the beanie. Don't know where the beanie is. <laughs> it's fun time at my house <laughs> in the morning. We're going to have a great show. <laughs> oh, five names. Don't, don't, you, don't you change. Never will. That don't train worry. of thought. That train of thought. <laughs> it was the same about the beanie and my hat.
because I'm cold. And my Letterman is not that heavy. That's a heavy Letterman's jacket, as most are. Letterman's jacket are not light by design. They're a heavy jacket. It doesn't feel heavy. It makes me feel because tight. Because you've been wearing it for years. Yeah. I got my birthday, like, sophomore year. Never got a Letterman's jacket. I'm sorry. Uh, no, don't don't be sorry. Uh, I was going to have to buy it myself. So it either came down to buying the Letterman's jacket or buying my class ring. I went with buying the class ring, which I have no idea where it's at. I don't know mine is either. I lost it freshman year of band camp in college. And now the store that I got it from um, is closed down. So never getting that again. Instead, now I have a college class ring that spelled heart wrong in the inside. There's so much to unpack in what you just <laughs> stated. I'm, I'm going to put that on the back burner. I'm going to try to come back to that later. Right now, I'm going to go ahead and transition back to talking about the Pelicans. Yay, they won. Even though apparently my team, the Mavericks, they lost. Poor Luca. I don't. Why is. I don't. Why is the Dallas. Why are the Dallas Mavericks your team? I like Luca. Okay. Hannah's favorite team, the Dallas Mavericks, lost last night to the New Orleans Pelicans, 113-111. to Luka was doing Luka things, as always. As the kids like to say, he was in his bag. 37 points, two steals, a block, seven assists, 11 rebounds, eight of those defensively. Now, he wasn't great from three, only two of 13, but... He is their guy, right? He's that He's that guy. He's that dog, if you will. And they got 23 points coming off the bench from uh, Wood, but that wasn't nearly enough against an undermanned Pelicans team. Once again, no Zion playing in this game. No Brandon Ingram playing in this game. So your two leading scorers unable to go. Wasn't a problem. All five starters scored in double figures, and the Pelicans had three guys come off the bench scoring in double digits. Larry Nance Jr., Devontae Graham, wait for it, Devontae Graham scored 14 points, and Daniels scored 11. So you had three players come off the bench. And here's the thing, Willie Green only used four guys off the bench for the entire game. He only played nine players. And yes, one of those nine was Jackson Hayes contributing no points in 13 minutes. But he got 15 from Najee Marshall, 13 from Valachunas, who also had seven rebounds, 13 from Alvarado, 14 and 11 from C.J. McCollum, 14 points, 11 assists, and 22 points and five rebounds on eight for eight shooting from the field, including four from four from three-point range from Trey Murphy the third. Total team effort, balanced offensive attack. Once again, we saw the Pelicans start laying the groundwork for what could be a good season a year ago after the trade deadline. They started off terribly, 
Willie Green, first-year head coach, and they found a way. The guys liked him. The guys played hard for them. It just took a little while for everything to kind of come together. And once they added C.J. McCollum to the mix, that veteran guy, stabilizing force, a guy that can be the coach on the floor, all of a sudden things started to change. And they didn't have Zion, but it didn't matter. Didn't matter, absolutely. Had no bearing on that whatsoever. They made the play-in tournament. They won the play-in tournament. They got to the playoffs. They gave the Suns a scare. And you brought that core back, and then you add Zion Williamson. So this team knows how to play together. Marshall, Valachunas, Alvarado, McCullum, Murphy, they all played last year during the stretch run to get to the play-in tournament to win the play-in tournament. They've added Daniels now. That's another piece. The fact that this team was able to withstand a nearly 40-point night from Luca, who, by the way, is, is hearted by Hannah. And they got eight guys to score in double figures. That is absolutely phenomenal. Now, it is early in the season. So I don't want to go overboard here, as I had to remind a few of my buddies on a group text. They were going, that's a great win. Look how great this team is. And I said, guys, it's game number four. Let's pump the brakes. It's a good win. It's also early in the season. It's a good win. Once again, eight different Pelicans scored in double figures. And Trey Murphy led the way with 22 points on a perfect four for four from three-point range and an eight from eight night from the field altogether no Zion no BI and no Herb Jones their best defender the second year man out of the University of Alabama three starters not in this game they're two leading scorers and their best defensive player and they still were able to gut out a 113 to 111 win over the Mavericks this shows you the quality of depth this shows you how good this team can be I have to see it from start to finish, right? I said before, if Zion can stay healthy, this is a team that could be a top four seed in the Western Conference this year. And he doesn't have to play 82 games. He just has to play probably 60 to 65 for that to happen. I like how McCollum is the leader of this team on the court. He's kind of taken on that role. The guys respond to it. He and Willie Green are on the same page which is always a good thing. And they got guys, the fact that offensively they can do what they can do is impressive. So Pelicans get the win at home in the big blender, 113 to 111. They'll start that three-game West Coast trip. Phoenix and then the two L.A. teams later this week. We got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and Company, I already told you it's Wednesday. It's time for us to unveil the foodie poll question of the week. It's our third one involving Halloween candy. The big boys are about to battle it out. 
You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh, the time to cook up some gumbo, and it's time to do it for a very good cause, and that time is today. The Realtor Association of Acadiana is hosting its annual gumbo cook-off at Park International today from 5 to 7 o'clock. The family-friendly event features a Halloween costume contest, music by the Rouge Crew, and, of course, great gumbo from 26 different teams of area realtors who are competing to earn the title Best Gumbo. But best of all, tickets only cost $10 and can be purchased with cash at the event. All proceeds, this is the best thing about this event, thing I love about it, all proceeds benefit three local charities. Those would be Maddie's Footprints, Habitat for Humanity, and Lane's Legacy. So come out today and eat some gumbo, help out local charities, and have some Halloween fun with the Realtor Association of Acadiana's annual gumbo cook-off held at Park International starting at 5 o'clock. Pell's big winners last night, 113-111. to 111. Luca nearly drops 40, but it doesn't matter. The Pell's without three starters, including their two leading scorers and all-stars and Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, doesn't matter. All five starters score in double digits, and they had three players off the bench that scored in double digits as well. Total team effort as the Pels improved to 3-1 and one on the season after taking down the Mavs. But now it's time for us to unveil the foodie poll question of the week. Now, we have a great one lined up for you later in the week on Friday. This is inspired by our guy Ralph Bergeron he came up with a almost an anti foodie poll question which I love so much that we're going to borrow slightly tweak and have that for you on Friday or maybe even save it for Monday because Monday is Halloween so that will actually be trick-or-treating done on actual Halloween so we're either going to save it for Friday or Monday but we're going to put that in our back pocket But every Wednesday, we do the foodie poll question of the week, and we're going to do Halloween candy yet again because it's time to to crown a champion. We've had some good candy that we've talked about on this show the last couple weeks, maybe even some borderline great candy. But it was time to bring out the big guns, the kings, the ones that typically are favorites every Halloween so our foodie poll question of the day which is really our foodie poll question of the week it's our poll question of the day what is the best Halloween candy is it Reese's peanut butter cups is it the Hershey's minis because you can get four different ones right you can get the normal little Hershey or the crackle or the dark chocolate 
or the Mr. Good Bar. So Hershey Minis. Oh, man. And sometimes you can really score by grabbing all four if you're greedy like I am. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Hershey's Minis, Kit Kats. Oh, Kit Kats are so good. Or other, based on the demand of all of you over the last couple weeks, constantly wanting other as an option. So there you go. Those are your four options. What is the best Halloween candy? Is it Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? Is it Hershey's Minis? Is it Kit Kat Bar? Or is it other? And right now, leading the vote as expected, which is why I didn't want to put it in the poll question for the longest time, is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups with 59% of the vote. 17% say other. 12% say Hershey's Minis. 12% say Kit Kat. Hannah's talking to herself in the studio, or at least I hope she's talking to Moses because he's non-respondent over there looking half asleep behind the monitor. Let's get to some comments, shall we? Once again, saying things under your breath towards me without the microphone on, kind of irrelevant, by the way. And by the way, you control the microphone so you could be the one to actually speak on this issue, but you're choosing not to. You just want to complain about me to Moses instead. Yeah, I like talking about you. About you. No, I'm talking about you. Moses, I hope you're ready to sit in that chair because it's getting closer and closer every day. There you go. He gives me the thumbs up. He's alive. Glad you're here, Moses. Thank you. Great input. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, well, well, guess now I can mention within the rules set forth by RP3 that the others should not have been left behind or are better than the above mentioned. Butterfingers and paydays and almond joy. So my vote is other very much so. You know, I'm not a big Butterfinger fan. I know a lot of people love them, but I never, if there's Halloween candy in a bowl, I never grab the Butterfinger first, ever. Butterfinger is usually what's left over in the bowl. And I begrudgingly go, I guess I'll have a Butterfinger. Like, it's never my first choice. Ton on the Twitter says, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the GOAT. Almond Joy is a very close second. Honorable mention, Tootsie Pops. Could also say Tootsie Rolls. Tootsie Pops is one of these things that is weird because it's a sucker, and then when you get down to the middle of the sucker, all of a sudden there's a Tootsie Roll. They really don't go well together. Yet they're very popular still to this day. And so usually I like I like lick the the Tootsie Pop first, and then I'll just just bite and crunch off all of the candy on the outside. So you're so the, I have a second to eat it all, and then I'll go back and eat this the Tootsie Roll part of the. So you're like the owl from the commercial. You have I mean, no idea what yeah, I'm talking about. But do I don't like continuously lick the thing. I like it so that it's wet; it makes it easier to crunch on it. JPK the OD says Reese's peanut butter cups. For the win, only trumped by the ever-elusive, ultra-rare, collapsed Whopper. Only a seasoned Halloween veteran knows about that one. Love the other choice. I guess you didn't want a repeat of last week's free-for-all. <laughs> Salty Steve says, it's a candy apple for me. What? Crisp red shell in the 60s. We went crazy for them. Only see them at state fairs now. This man brought in candy apple to the conversation. 
Have you ever had a candy apple, Bob? Yes, Banks? yes, I have. They used and to I've be, made them. They used to be very popular. They they've they're no longer in vogue for Halloween. Steve's right. I only see them now at state fairs. No one does a candy apple anymore. No one also bobs for apples anymore either at no. Halloween. I did that like once, like years ago. I used to do it when we'd have like Halloween parties and stuff like that when I was a kid. You always bob for apples. Always. But I, don't, I never see people do that anymore. We had much more fun just taking like a a chopstick and try to stab the apples to get them. Because it was much more fun watching Why the apples Why are you so violent? It was just always fun for us. Let's, let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about you being raised in a household where it was okay to stab things. Just the apples. Moses, buddy, you may want to move over a couple feet. I'm not that violent. Oh, see, don't let the sweet demeanor fool you. She will stab you in an instant. I mean, I am being buff of the vampire slayer for Halloween. So. That's right. Okay, let's talk about that for a second because I'm dressing yeah. up. You're dressing up. Moses, can we count on you to bring some type of costume and wear something next Monday? Boom, thumbs I up. got the Boom. thumbs up. Once again, a man of few words. It's going to have a great <laughs> career in broadcasting that way. <laughs> a man of few words. Have you worked on foot yet? No. My plan was to work on Five foot names. in person. Working on foot when he's not next to me is a lot harder to do. You mean the man that has 1,700 unread email notifications on his phone? Yeah, I think it's like 13,000 last time I checked, I feel like. 237 different text messages that he hasn't responded to? Yes. <laughs> I literally was recording him yesterday, and I looked down to like make sure I see the paper to make sure I say everything right, and I looked down, and there's like 12 texts at the top, all of them unread, one of them being mine, which <laughs> I don't know then how he really understands who's calling him on the show. Because it's constantly as unread. He just, I can't, I can't, I can't live that life with that phone. It's just too much for me. It's too much for me. It makes and, my and, head hurt. And his wife tells him the same thing. She goes, what, what are you doing? He, yeah. just, he just leaves it. It's just a, a glimpse into the mind of Kevin Foote. You oh, just yeah. look at his phone and you go, okay. Or yeah, or when the Astros played on uh, Apple TV and he had to figure out how to do it on his phone because so it was going to be at softball and... He's sitting there, and I'm, like, trying to show him how to do it, and I'm like, foot. I, like, just scroll up, and there's, like, 25 apps open. And I'm like, dude, what are we doing? He's stressing me out. <laughs> he just laughs at himself. He, he knows. He does. God bless him. All right, so you're yes. dressing up for Halloween. Moses is going to dress up for Halloween. I believe Matthew is going to as well. You're going to have to get Kevin. But Donut is not exactly down for dressing up for Halloween. No, and he was the one that was totally for like us dressing up in something for every holiday, and yet he's the one that's not dressing up. He's like, I'm gonna be my well, I'm gonna be this, but basically myself. No, that's be boring. So you're gonna have to figure out a way to maybe bully him or threaten to stab him with chopstick. <laughs> I always or tell him to punch him. I never do. You never do. <laughs> he goes, Come on, do it. <laughs> I never do it. Foodie poll question of the week is our poll question of the day every Wednesday. We'll, we'll do another poll question about the violent tendencies of Hannah Five Names that you guys don't see or hear on the air. Um, right now, 
What's the best Halloween candy? Uh, as expected, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups is leading the way with 64% of the vote. 16% of the vote now for Kit Kat. 12% for Other and 8% for Hershey's Minis. Keep those votes uh, coming. Keep those comments coming on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep them clean for the kids. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll put the candy talk aside. Well, just briefly. Saints gearing up for uh, feels like a must-win game Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll preview that. That's coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a brand new fence, a pool, or any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple. It's free of charge. And guess what? It's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service and to promote public safety. Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to remind you call 811 and know what's below before you dig. Pelicans are making everyone feel good about sports in New Orleans. So are the Tulane Green Wave. But both of those initiatives are needed because the Saints have been, wait for it, Paul Ball. Two and five to start the season. The defense has been, let's be honest, dreadful. Uh, it, this team was supposed to be led by its defense. It's been the opposite. It's been hindered by its defense. That and a bevy of turnovers by the offense. They're lost. Dennis Allen does not look like he knows what he's doing. Tyron Matthew not making an impact. Other guys on the defensive side of the football, not making an impact. A guy that you can always count on to make an impact, of course, is DeMario Davis. The all-pro linebacker, heart of that defense. He's been balling out, he and Pete Werner. They've been doing the best they can to help this team win. And 
the thing that I notice about this team, about this defense in particular for the black and gold, is that it has no swagger. Remember for years during this great run with Drew that the defense had the swagger. They take all the celebratory photos in the end zone after a defensive touchdown or defensive stop. They talk trash. They just had a bit of an edge to them. Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Marcus Williams. But a lot of those guys are gone now. And they've kind of lost their way. And Demario Davis, a man who probably in his post football life is going to be a preacher because he speaks and you listen talked about the the team and in particular the defense finding itself and getting that swagger back Alvin said something great in the locker room like we got to get back to our swagger and there's no truer statement the the rub is 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 how we get back to our swagger and how we get back to our swagger is it's not a new recipe because you're going back to what you've done. And what we've done has always been one of the hardest working teams in the NFL and one of the most focused teams in the NFL. And I'm not talking about just focus on Sunday, but I focus during the week. And we understand that the nucleus of this team begins and ends with the defense. And so we accept that challenge first. We know we haven't performed to our standards. Now you have to get everyone on the same page. Because that's what it feels like on the defense, doesn't it? It feels like they're either not communicating or they're just not gelled as a unit. They miss Marcus Williams. A lot of Saints fans don't want to hear that. A lot of fans hated on Marcus Williams because he made one bad play as a rookie. The Minneapolis Miracle where he whiffed on the tackle and gave up the game-winning touchdown. He ended up being a really, really, really good safety. They miss him. They're not getting the same caliber of safety play that they got out of Marcus Williams from either Marcus May or Tyron Matthew. They're not getting it. They're just not. They miss that. They miss what you expected, some of the leadership that Malcolm Jenkins was bringing on the back end, you thought Tyron Matthew would bring that, and and maybe he's bringing leadership, but he's definitely not doing it with the play on the field. And they all seem to be disconnected, right? They don't seem to be on the same page. And Demario Davis talked about they're not where they want to be. We're not where we want to be right now. At this point in the season, like this wasn't where any of us expected to be, right? And a lot of that is due, due to us not playing at the standard that we have. It's adversity because of that. It's adversity because, you know, it's unexpected. And it's unexpected because our standard for excellence is so high. And adversity creates opportunity. You know, and so though none of us want to be in this situation, there's only one mindset that's going to change it, and it's taking advantage of every opportunity. And the reason why that is exciting is because all this happened, we're still only one game out in our division. And it's also <clears throat> exciting because we understand what's going on. We understand that we've been our own worst enemy in a lot of ways. That they have. 
Defense has to be more cohesive. Defense has to be more impactful. Defense has to get their head out of their butts and get out there and play to their potential instead of being one of the worst defenses in the league, be a top 10 defense. Offense, though, has to do their part as well. And James Hurst, starting tackle for this Saints offense, let it be known, look, we got to stop doing stupid things. In particular, we got to stop turning over the ball so much. Everybody understands how bad turnovers are. I think that's pretty obvious. But I think um, in our situation, you know, if you look at the production and where that is, and then look at our record, you know, speaking for the offense, it just really shows how bad those turnovers have been, how timely they've been. Obviously, defensive touchdowns are kind of, you know, another level of a bad uh, situation. So we, we know we have to correct them. And we also feel confident in our abilities um, to move the ball and score points. But at the same time, we know that none of that matters if we're turning the ball over. And none of that matters if you know, they're scoring 14 points on our offense, if you will. So uh, we know we got to get that fixed. That's obviously um, right in our view. Um, it's in our plan. It's, it's something that has to change. Look, they understand what they have to do. Stop with all the turnovers, play better defense. They can win this division because eight or nine wins is going to win the NFC South. Heck, it may win three of the four divisions in the NFC, period. Not the NFC East. So, can they get it together? Can they start playing to their potential? It begins Sunday against the Raiders. We got to take a timeout, but when we return, we'll wrap up our number one talking about Lopez Trail Run for Life with Sean Paul Harrison. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This time of year, there always seems to be great events, charity events that encourage people to come out, get active, be part of the community, but also help organizations that help others in our community. And our next guest here on RP3 and Company, well, fits that bill. Sean Paul Harrison from Lopa joins us now to talk about the Trail Run for Life event that they have coming up on Sunday, October 30th. They're at Cherokee Ridge Horse Farm in Karen Crow. Sean, good morning to you, brother. Thank you so much for making the time. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thank you so much for having me. Sean, let's talk a little bit about LOPA itself for those who may not know or may not be familiar with the organization. Tell us what the mission is of the organization and what they do here in the local community. So LOPA is the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, and and basically what we do is we help families that have lost a loved one that are able to donate to someone that needs a life-saving organ and tissue transplant. And obviously, you guys have events throughout the year that help with this. I mean, people can always just donate, and we know that. But these type of events, why is it so important for you guys to put on these events in the community? And this is much more than just a 5K, 10K. This is really a platform for us to to honor these heroes that have saved lives, um, to honor their families, and then to celebrate those that have received the gift of life. So, you know, we do these so that we can do this for others and, and just celebrate and raise awareness in our community. Why is it so important for people to make that commitment to donate their organs uh, to others, to strangers, to people they don't even know? Well, it is important to have that conversation, you know, so that you let your family know what your wishes are. And, you know, the importance of it is, is it leads a legacy. You know, you're a hero or they're a hero in saving the lives of others. And it's just a selfless act. And, uh, you know, we're just honored that we get to work with these individuals that have made this decision and, and we're able to facilitate it. 
Let's talk a little bit about the event coming up at the end of the month, Halloween weekend, the Trail Run for Life. It's going to be held on Sunday, October 30th there at Cherokee Ridge Horse Farm in Karen Crow. Tell us a little bit about this event and what makes it so special, so unique, and, and why are people so kind of buzzed uh, about it? So, yeah, it's at the Cherokee Ridge Horse Farm. Uh, I might be a little biased, but uh, it's probably the most beautiful place in all Louisiana. It's uh, over 200 acres of rolling hills. It's um, it's a very serene place, and I couldn't think of a better place to to have this event. Uh, the event is to to honor the heroes that have saved lives, like I said, uh, to have a place for these families to come back and be together, um, raise awareness. And um, like I said, it's it's just so much more than an event. Uh, we have activities for the kids. We have a fun run for uh, for the kids or the kids at heart uh, that starts it off. That's our connect to purpose. And uh, uh, like I said, we're just honored to be a part of it. Now, let's say I'm listening to us right now. I'm out there. I'm listening. And uh, the individual's built more like yours truly. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a large person. I'm a large individual. And uh, nicknamed three bills in some circles. And, you know, it, you want to do something. You 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 want to be part of this. You know, sometimes these type of events, whether they're 5Ks or 10Ks or trail runs, they can be intimidating to the folks that may be not in the best physical shape, so to speak. So what do you say to those people that maybe want to come out, take part in the event, and even try it? It can can anyone come and be part of this or do you have to have special like physical requirements, uh, accomplishments, so to speak, to be able to take part in this? Well, first of all, I can't wait to see you out there running it. But uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> but no, a lot of people ask that. And, and I know that because it's, you know, you, you it's labeled as a trail run. It can be a little intimidating. I'll be honest with you. We have a lot of walkers. Uh, the people that, that do walk, I always feel like they have a little bit of an edge over everyone else because they get to spend the time a little bit longer time out there. Like I said, it's such a beautiful place. But no, you have your, your serious competitive runners and then you have people that just, you know, they want to be a part of it. And then we have our walkers. But everyone is uh, is invited, encouraged. Um, it's just, it's a great day. It's a great event. And, uh, you know, you should not be intimidated by it at all. So uh, I look forward to giving you a medal. Oh, he's already got the medal ready to go for me. All right. Oh, tell us uh, the specifics. Where they can go to get more information, uh, uh, Sean Paul, and where can they go to uh, register and sign up? You can go to lopa.org backslash trail run. We also have a Lopa Trail Run for Life Facebook page where we have a lot of information and links. And then also, if you're unable to, you know, decide for whatever reason you want to wait for, you know, maybe you had a Halloween party on the Saturday, you want to see what's going on if you're ready for the Sunday. But we also have uh, same day registration. So you could just walk up and uh, register the same day or just come out and be a part of it. You know, this year we always have a, a campaign, a community campaign this year is uh, We Are Family and that's what we really believe is our community is a family just coming together. So come on out and have a good time and, and see what this is all about. Sean Paul, thank you so much for stopping by and making the time. Best of luck for the event Trail Run for Life, which is going to be held once again on Sunday, October 30th at Cherokee Ridge Horse Farm in Karen Crow. Sean Paul, thanks again for your time, brother, and best of luck with the event. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having us. That's Sean Paul Harrison with Lopa. They're going to be hosting their Trail Run for Life once again Sunday, October 30th at Cherokee Ridge Horse Farm in Karen Crow. You can go register, sign up. It's a great family event for a worthy cause, so make sure to go check it out. With the holidays right around the corner, why not go ahead and sign up for the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We got great items in there that would make the perfect stocking stuffer for this holiday season. We got a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse down at Cypress Bayou. We also have a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, also inside Cypress Bayou. And we still have $50 gift certificates to Half Shell Oyster House. You can find 
all of those great gifts inside our clubhouse, but you can only win them by becoming a member. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Let us help you with stocking stuffers this holiday season. That's going to do it for our number one here on RP3 and Company. Our number two on deck right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch III, better known as the big, bald, and beautiful one. I'm joined inside the studios by the producer extraordinaire, a woman who loves to bundle up like an Eskimo when it's 60 degrees outside, Miss Hannah Five Names. She also loves giving me disgusted looks. Also joined by the intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos, who's actually having to sit there and listen to her talk while complaining about me, while apparently chewing tobacco. I'm not really for sure what's going on this morning over there on that side of the glass. I feel like my breath was still not great, so I was eating a mint. But we're discussing this as a beanie. Or can it actually be called a hat? Because it is a hat, but you call it a beanie, but it's still in the category of a hat. So we were arguing about that just now. We bring you the stuff that fascinates you more than anything else here on RP3 and Company. You're, You're welcome. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> We've been together way too long. Heading up on a year anniversary for Miss Five Names, by the way, here yeah. at the station. That's coming up next month. Maybe I have something up my sleeve. Woo-ba-dee-woo. Oh, <laughs> oh, just be so dim- dismissive, shall we? Another beanie. Uh, it's I fine. My- it's fine. Uh, you didn't hurt my feelings. It's fine. I, I it's think fine. I was hurting your feelings. I said woo-ba-dee-woo. Woo-ba-dee-woo. Well, I, I made a dance move. Woo-ba-dee-woo. Coming up half an hour from right now on this woo-ba-dee-woo Wednesday edition of RP3. <laughs> I have no idea. (laughs) I'm just trying to get through the show today. Ron Higgins, the mad dog from Tiger Details, the award-winning columnist will talk all things LSU. That's coming up at 7.30. What has he seen? What's been the big difference for this LSU team? Because the offense has finally started to find their way. Jane Daniels is playing like an all-conference quarterback, putting up huge numbers, and the defense is doing their job. Can they take down Alabama, who is immensely vulnerable? We'll talk about that with the Mad Dog coming up in less than half an hour from right now. Of course, 
Until then, we'll take your phone calls. Game hotline's always open for you. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. I can't make any guarantees on what type of coherent conversation you'll have with Hannah Five Names if you call the hotline. Not today. Not today. <laughs> we think we figured out how to spell woo woo <laughs> And there we are. There we are. W H O O. B A D E E W H O O. Woobity boo. There we go. You're welcome. I was <laughs> so concerned by that. You know what you're concerned about? Is that my birthday is in 15 days? Yeah. Yeah, we got to deal with your birthday. Then we got to deal with your anniversary here. And then it's going to be Christmas. It's a lot to yeah. deal with for you, it's a lot to deal with. Uh, I think you'll be okay. Oh, will I be? Yes. Will I be? Yes, because my birthday falls on the Marine Corps birthday because we're the same, and as well as it's I love the premiere how you of... try to shoehorn <laughs> your life into the fictional life of Gibbs from NCIS. But, but no, it, it literally is the Marine Corps. I, I know. Yeah. But 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 that's your connection that you always want to somehow bring it to Gibbs. Yeah, I mean, I was also going to throw in that that's the same day as the premiere for Wakanda Forever. Just throw that out there that we're doing for the game. That's right. Hey, you know what? You should Thank you that for number. that reminder. Want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda Forever? Then you got to text the word Panther to 337-283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing of Black Panther Wakanda Forever at the Celebrity Theaters there in Broussard on November 10th, which, by the way, is the Marine Corps' birthday and also Hannah's birthday. Once again, text the word PANTHER to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, brought to you by The Game, Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. Plug. <laughs> Mike's off now. What a mess. <laughs> you are an absolute mess today. Uh, I'm kind of here for it, but still. Absolutely ridiculous today. Absolutely ridiculous. New Orleans Pelicans last night, big winners. No Zion, no B.I., no Herb Jones, their best defensive player. Yet they defeat the Dallas Mavericks 113-111. to 111. Luka goes off for nearly 40, but it's not enough as the Pelicans have five starters all scoring double figures and then have three of their four bench players scoring double figures. Trey Murphy led the way with 22 points as he was a perfect eight from eight from the field, including four from four from three-point range. Pels improved to three and one on the season. Look, I like this team a lot. I like what it's about. I like how it's constructed. I like their coach. I got to see it for a full season. We got a small sample size last year in the tail end, the last quarter of the season where they made the run into the play-in tournament and then won their play-in tournament games to get to the Phoenix Suns and then gave the Suns a scare. I see the potential. I like what I see. I need to see it over an 82-game season. And I don't think that's a... You know, that's an unrealistic expectation. Not to be the Debbie Downer, not to be the wet blanket. It's a good win for this team. But it's game number four. 
They play 82 of those bad boys in the regular season. It's game number four. They have the potential to be great, though. They do have that. Also, World Series. Game one, Friday, 7.03 first pitch. Astro launch will begin at 6.30. You're going to hear Robert Ford and Steve Sparks on the call. That's right, the voices of the Houston Astros. First pitch for all World Series games will be 7.03. Game one this Friday will be on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM, right across the hall. But game two on Saturday, on the game. Game three in Philly on Monday, on the game. No Monday night football. We're giving you World Series. Game four Tuesday, on the game. Game five, if necessary, on the game. We got you covered for Houston Astros World Series. Boom, we got you covered. While the Strohs prepare for the Philadelphia Phillies, prepare to win their second World Series championship ever, I talked about it yesterday. Are they going to be able to win game one? Because they've never done that in a World Series. Their previous four appearances, they've lost every single game one. The first one against the White Sox, they got swept, remember? Went 0-4. They lose game one in 2017 to the Dodgers, but end up winning that that series because they won all the games in L.A. Or they won the majority of the games in L.A. In 2019, they lost game one because they had the advantage, and they lost every game inside Minute Maid Park to the Nationals. 2-3-2. That's the one that if you're an Astro fan, you're like, really? You were down 0-2. You go to D.C. You take all three games in the nation's capital. Go up 3-2, one win away from a World Series, and you can't get a single win at home back at Minute Maid Park. That's the one that stings if you're an Astro fan. 2021, lose game one to the Braves. How big of a deal is it for the Strohs to actually take game one? Remember, Verlander's never won a World Series game in his career. Two trips to the World Series with the Detroit Tigers. Two trips with the Houston Astros. No World Series wins on the ledger for a guy who's going to be more than likely a first ballot Hall of Fame pitcher. So how big of a deal is it for the Strohs to start off this World Series Friday night with a win? Verlander gets the win, gets off the schneid finally, and the Strohs finally win game one of a World Series. And that way, they can set the tone. Monkey off the back a little bit, right? For both Verlander and the team. And now you're in the driver's seat. Because you got your rotation set. We already know, speaking to Brett Chancey yesterday from the Locked on Astros podcast, that Verlander, Valdez, and they're thinking McCullers in game three, and Jose Arquiti will be there to basically eat up innings in case Lance is not right like he was his last outing. Once again, Arquiti has three World Series wins. He was not on the roster for the ALDS or the ALCS. But you could use his experience to come in in relief because the big stage is not too big for him. And then you'd have Christian Javier as your game four starter. And then game five in Philly, 
if needed, back to Verlander. And then you have Framer at home for Game 6 if needed. And then it'll be all hands on deck for Game 7. McCullers, Jose Arquiti, Hunter Brown. They'll dust off Nolan Ryan. Whoever they need, they'll they'll pull out for Game 7. But the Strohs haven't dropped a game in this postseason. And they've done so without looking their best. That's the crazy thing about this is that we've yet to see the Astros play to their potential. I liked the fact that Game 4 in the Bronx... They were tested a little bit, were challenged, and they responded. And Jose Altuve responded. Jorn Alvarez got a hit. But I've said it all week, and I'm going to say it. The guy that stirs the drink for this team is not Altuve. It's not Alvarez. It's not Yuli Gurriel. It's not Jeremy Pena. It's not Kyle Tucker. It's Alex Bregman. If Bregman is good, they win the World Series. It's that simple. The pitching is there. Regardless if Verlander finally wins a World Series game or not, they have the best, they have the better pitching. They have the deeper pitching, rotation, and bullpen. You know Altuve's not going to go 0 for 100 in the World Series. Alvarez will get a home run. Those guys will get their hits. But Bregg is the guy. He's the guy with the chip on his shoulder. He's the guy that has the edge. He's the guy that gives the Astros their swagger. Altuve's not that guy. He's not an edgy guy. He's he's a nice guy. That's why when he came back and he was booed everywhere, it affected his batting average that season because he didn't know how to deal with that. Alvarez is a big kid. Tucker is just a nice guy. They got a bunch of just nice guys on that team. You know who's kind of a jerk, but in a good way? Alex Bregman. You need that guy on your team. Because that's the guy that's going to get in your face. That's the guy that's going to pull you inside and say, you know what? We got our foot on their neck. It's time to stomp on it. That's Alex Bregman for the Astros. That's who he is. That's what he brings to the table. If Breggs is in his bag, by the way, batted 333 in the ALDS, with one home run, one double, and drew one walk. You know what he did in the ALCS? He batted 333 with one home run, one double, one walk. You get that kind of stat line from Breggs in the World Series, Astros are going to win the World Series. And he didn't have that early in the season, and he struggled at the plate. The Strohs have been a different team since he came back after the birth of his child. He's been a different player And he plays with an edge. First of all, you have to have an edge to play the hot corner. You can't be a good third baseman in Major League Baseball if you don't have an edge about you. You just can't. But he's the guy. And they feed off of him. They feed off of that energy. Not only is the guy with the most edge on the team, he's also their biggest cheerleader. When Alvarez hits the home run against the Mariners, who's the guy that's celebrating more than anyone else? It's Bregman. We talk about Altuve being kind of the heart and soul of the team. And he may be. But the guy who's kind of the guy. The guy who has the edge. The guy that kind of stirs the drink for this ball club is Alex Bregman. 
And if you get anything resembling what you've gotten out of your pitching this postseason in the World Series and Bregman plays like he's been playing in these last two playoff series, Strohs are going to win. That's what it boils down to for me. Let's quickly head out to the hotline. Welcome on our guy, Jamie, a.k.a. Mr. Green. Good morning to you, sir. How are you, brother? Good morning, Mr. Third. I'm doing great on this uh, beautiful day, man. After yesterday's rain, it sure is nice. It is nice outside today. I mean, I don't think it's bundling up with five layers nice, but I still think it's nice, yes. Oh, no, absolutely. I agree. Uh, you know, but my wife is a lot like Miss Five Names. Like, she'll have five blankets, six cats, and still be cold. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's that. Oh, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I wanted to I wanted to repose this question to you. I posed it to you. Uh, I think it was last week, maybe the week before. But it sure does seem like the Astros are awfully relying on the long ball, and a bulk of their runs have come from the long ball. In particular, solo think? solo home runs. Exactly, the solo shots. Every now and again, a two run, but it's primarily solo shots. Do you think that they can keep up that intensity? Do you think they can keep relying on that, or are they going to have to start? Uh, I don't want to say change anything up because what they're doing is working, but do you think they might not be able to rely on it quite as much playing against the Phillies, who also have long ball threat and also have been kind of relying on the long ball? You got to, you got the Astros have to do a far better job with runners in scoring position, Jamie. That's what it boils down to, and that's where I think Bregman's going to play a huge role in this because he's going to get on base in front of the other guys. And if Bregman can do that and they can generate bringing him in, that's going to be the difference in this series. They do a terrible job bringing in runs. Runners in scoring position, they are awful this season at doing that, especially for a team that wins as many games as they do because they do rely on the solo home run more than anyone else. So in a series where you got – you're facing off against guys like Schwarber and Harper and others that can knock the tar off the ball, right? Knock the hide off the ball, as they used to say. You're going to have to be more efficient with runners in scoring position. Because as great as this rotation is and the bullpen has been, they're going to give up runs to the Phillies because those guys can those guys can hit. They got some sluggers in that roster, in that lineup. But they're going to have to find a way to score more runners in scoring position, absolutely. Yeah, I guess the I guess the one bright spot about it is the fact that they're not having to go against the the caliber of pitchers that the Yankees had. <laughs> Sorry, um, and the Mariners had. Uh, you know, those as bad as they were, they actually were pretty decent staffs until they got into the postseason. So hopefully uh, the Phillies don't play up, and hopefully the Astros don't play down. So uh, I appreciate you taking my call. We'll talk at you guys later. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Look, the, the, the Phillies have two good pitchers. Wheeler's good. Nola's good. But then after that, they don't stack up to, with the Astros, right? Astros have the advantage in pitching. Astros have the advantage in the bullpen. Astros, I'd say, have advantage with their lineup, especially now because you're getting contributions from Jeremy Pena. You're getting contributions from Yuli Gurriel. You're even getting contributions from Martin Maldonado. And Astros have the experience. They've been here. They've done that. But the Phillies have that whole team of destiny thing, don't they? Beat the Cardinals, beat the Braves, beat the Padres. They're the wild card team that's trying to get it done. 
So it's going to be interesting to see. I think it's going to be a heck of a World Series. I think it goes six games. I think it's Astros in six. I think Philly shows some fight. But for the Strohs, they got to take game one for me. Set the tone. Set the tone. That's what they got to do. Speaking of those Yankees that Mr. Green threw shade against, Mr. Green likes kicking the Yankees while they're down. Remind him of (laughs) Tampa Bay, but he doesn't say Tampa. Steve is a little salty. I also shared with Steve the report from The Athletic that the Yankees are expected to bring back GM Brian Cashman and manager Aaron Boone. (laughs) Have you seen Aaron Boone as a skipper? This is why the Yankees can't get ahead of themselves. Cashman is, Cashman, one, Cashman is worn out as welcome, in my opinion. He's lost the mojo as the GM of the Yankees. That's one. Two, Aaron Boone is not the guy, man. He's just not the skipper. I'm sorry. And the fact that they're going to bring them both back, run it back with those guys, sorry, Yankee fan. That's not great for y'all. Sorry. Not, that's, that's not the news you wanted to hear. We got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and Company, we'll talk a little LSU football. That's next, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss. Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We'll send out Coach Polian after practice today. He'll be the first one out. So we did all of our special teams today. So that allows him to get out, get the first run out, because um, we're sending him, you know, a little further out. Um, and then tomorrow after practice, the staff is is all out on the road. So we'll get everybody else out on the road. And so um, that gets us Wednesday, Thursday, and and I want to get. The, the staff heading back after um, Wednesday morning where they touch base with, with a recruit Wednesday morning in, in uh, an evaluation uh, sense so they can be back here for uh, Friday night so they can be with their families uh, Friday and Saturday. Um, what we're trying to accomplish essentially is, is get with our, our committed players uh, as much as we can and then, you know, our top 24. So this is a combination of 23s and, and 24s. And what better time to do that than following a win over a top 10 team? You're now ranked in the top 25. You're going to be heading into a primetime matchup with our tribal Alabama. That's, of course, LSU head football coach Brian Kelly talking about how he and his staff are going to be tackling recruiting during this week, during the bye week. He did take some time out to speak to the media yesterday during the bye week. No typical Brian Kelly press conference on Monday. No Brian Kelly show this week because they're taking it off. But they are going to be busy locking up those recruits. And Kelly's done a nice job. And the offense has found itself. I remember being in the Superdome watching them struggle against Florida State. 
That team that began the season struggling against Florida State just to get field goals is nowhere to be found now. Now, part of that's the offensive line is starting to come together. Will Campbell is the real deal. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, that kid is going to be an all-SEC type of player. He's going to the NFL. You can just tell. Like, he's like, that's a guy. That's a guy. That's an absolute stud. And the offensive line starting to come together, and they're starting to be able to run the football for around 200 yards a game, finally. And Jaden Daniels has emerged as one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. You could make an argument that behind Hooker and Young at Tennessee and Alabama, respectively, is the third best quarterback in the conference at LSU. I don't think it's Florida's Anthony Richardson. I don't think it's South Carolina's Spencer Rattler. It may be a Stinson Bennett at Georgia. Maybe. But Daniels is now in the mix to earning all-conference honors. Think about that from where the he was at the beginning of the year till right now. And the thing that stands out to me about LSU in this regard, they're able to do this. This offense is starting to come alive. And it, they're not really using tempo to make it happen. And Brian Kelly spoke about that. Well, early on it was um... – just to give you a perspective, when you go fast, things are a lot. They have to be simpler. Um, the reads have to be much more singular because protections have to be one-dimensional because you don't have a t- chance to check everything. So you can imagine if you go fast, especially teams that really go fast, um, you can't have a lot of different moving parts within that offensive scheme. So going fast, uh, you, you can assume that these are not um, these are not plays that you have to check. These are plays that are um, repeatable, if you will, and and so that was part and parcel of the development of a quarterback that was learning the offense. Now that he is so much more comfortable within the structure of the offense, now you just don't have to go fast to go fast. He, he has a real good grasp of what we're doing, and now you can run the, the, the offense as a pace and change the pace as you've seen. You, you, we did that in terms of running the football and, and changing the pace that way, and that's really the way we want to run the offense. He's gotten more comfortable running the offense. He understands it better now. He's developed chemistry with the wide receivers. The offensive line has gotten better. You're seeing this team improve as the season progresses. And that is what happens with good coaching. A team that is well coached gets better as the season progresses. That's what we hadn't seen from LSU the last couple of years. Just being blunt. The last two seasons, you didn't see that. You actually saw them get worse. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll keep the LSU football conversation moving right along as we welcome on Ron Higgins from Tiger Details. The Mad Dog himself will be joining us the day before he gets on the cruise ship. That's coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company.
Mad Dog, good morning to you, brother. Thank you for making time before you get on the cruise ship, my friend. Where are you going? Where are you going on your cruise? I'll go down to uh, Can- Cancun, Cosmo. I don't know. They-, they can go around in circles. I don't care. <laughs> do you do you get off the boat? Uh, some places sometimes. But I've been everywhere a bunch. You know, it's kind of like my sports riding career. I've been everywhere, you know, a bunch. You know, so it's not it doesn't excite, excite me to go somewhere to cover a game because I've already been there. So, uh, but yeah, but if I get go somewhere new, I get off the boat. I always always get off in Key West. Always. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, my wife and I. My wife had been to Key West before we got together. And then we took a vacation and we we drove down uh, to Key West and I had an absolute blast at Key West. Like I just love the vibe and it is a great place. I always tell people if you ever get a chance to go, go. We went to um, I'm trying to I can't never pronounce the name of the island that's in between Key West and like Cuba that you get to go to for the day and they drop you off and you you can go all day long. Uh, dry tortillas or tortillas, something like that. I'm sure my wife is going to text me and correct me. Um, but I love Key West, bud. Yeah, it's a great place. And it, it's, been, it's been a good week for me. Uh, I finally earned the respect of both my sons because I was in a stoner movie. What? Tara, what? What do you mean? A, a movie called Half Baked 2. Half Baked 1 was made a, a, God, a long time ago. It was like 20 years ago, yeah, with Dave Chappelle. I and in Half Baked 2 in Baton Rouge, and I was in Half Baked 2 the other day. I was a, I was a, a patron in a, in a head shop, stoner shop, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so, my, so you finally got the respect of your boy, huh? Yeah, uh, my boy, two two boys. Man, Dad, that was cool, man. You know, stoner movie. You know, <laughs> I was a sports writer for 40-something years. They couldn't care less. You know, yeah, great. Mm. Stoner movie. Really, you really did? Hey, I, I have a question for you. Is uh-huh. So, for my daughter this week, it's Red Ribbon Week, so they get to do something different every day. And today is Pajama Day. So, she's rocking her Grinch pajamas today to go to school in. Um, I, I don't have pajamas. Are you a pajama guy? Cause some guys wear pajamas. I'm not a pajama guy. Are you a pajama guy? I always wear something I can immediately get up and work out in. Put it that way. <laughs> it's usually, or it's usually like workout clothes, like a T, like a, a, you know, a, a t-shirt and some shorts. That's, that's, that's that. Yeah. That's, that's typically what I sleep in is, my, is my, 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 you know, my wife calls it Ron wear. Oh, you got Ron wear on? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just want to bed and go freak out. Yeah. I wear, I, I wear, I always wear a white undershirt, and then it's either shorts or like you know jogging pants or something like that. That's what I typically sleep in. I, I don't have the pajama uh, get up. Uh, I, that's not that's not my style. It's not it's not my thing. I'm always color coordinated, so when I go to work out, I look good. I may feel like crap. I look great. Oh, nice, nice. So, so we did some research for you. Um, Half Baked actually came out the year I was born, so 98. Oh, God. And it's... Uh, Dave Chappelle was, uh, was in it before. Yeah, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Yes. And then it's a Cayo de Sol is the island between Key West and wherever he said else was. Says Moses. There we go. There oh. we go. There we go. We got. We have all the knowledge. We have all the knowledge. All right, let's talk LSU. <laughs> Since we talk about everything else but LSU. Uh, half baked. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> we we discussed half baked pajamas and Key West. I, I, I that's a good start to this 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 interview. So now they're all related. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Tell me about your just thoughts of 
how far this team has come, Ron, since when we saw them in the Superdome against Florida State to what we saw Saturday against Ole Miss? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, I mean, their, their quarterback has finally settled into uh, a confident level of play where uh, he's will, he, a little bit at the start of that day. He was a little bit hesitant, but once he got going, uh, Jaden Daniels is uh, – yeah, I, he's. I think he's better than everybody thought he'd be. I, I think he's. I, I'm certain better than I thought he'd be. Uh, he's, but but I think he's worked with the best group of receivers he's had in college. So I think he finally realizes that if if I get the ball near these guys, you know, they can make a play. And I think hopefully the play that Jerry Jenkins made uh, in that game as Ole Miss when Daniels not only threw the ball late but threw it short. And Jerry Jenkins adjusted between two most almost defenders and caught it and, and and you know stepped in for a touchdown. I hope that proved to him that he's got guys that if I can just get it near them, they're going to make a play on it. I got a pretty good shot. And uh, and I mean, look, I think yeah, I think he's finally comfortable with the offense. Uh, you know, I, LSU's never had a quarterback like him who who. Well, first of all, they've never had an RPO quarterback like him. Of course, LSU's never run a bunch of RPO either. But they've never had a guy like him uh, who can really turn something, uh, I mean, nothing into something. Uh, you know, people say Joe Burrow is like that. Joe Burrow would make quick decisions and, like, you know, something would happen pretty quick. When things broke down, he could make something happen. But but Daniels can make something happen out of virtually nothing. Uh, and he's done it over and over again. And now that he has a – could go downfield. Uh, that's the biggest improvement to me. The, the line has kind of got uh, healthy, gotten better. Uh, uh, you know, the defense is much better when Harold Perkins is on the field. Uh, they, they've gotten better every game, uh, but I'm not ready to hand them the West title. Uh, man, uh, some LSU, some LSU fans, you got to slow your roll, man. I mean, t- two weeks ago, you just got, you know, stomp in the ground and you come out and you play the best game of the year and now all of a sudden well, we can you know i think they are above their expectations right i, oh, I think we're on the table right the table. i i think even but i look at this team and i see it progressing and for me ron as long as i've covered college football teams that are well coached are ones that make adjustments and improve as the season progresses we didn't see that the last two years at lsu we're seeing it now yeah, he, he, he's, he, he's done it. He, he does it. I mean, and, 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 and he's, he hasn't panicked. He's stuck with calmly what he's doing. Uh, you know, they, they make adjustments. Uh, uh, guys have stepped up. Other guys have gotten injured. Uh, they, they believe what Brian Kelly's doing. They understand the guys want everywhere he's been, so he must know what he's doing. Uh, and then the plan has been solid. Uh, and really, the fact that... Uh, you know, and, and he'll, you know, and, and you ask him a question, he gives you good answers, man. I mean, I mean, I mean when, he, when he explained why he gambled on the fourth down three times against, you know, Tennessee, you know, I mean, I, you know, I felt we had to get in a score match with, we needed points, you know, we couldn't settle for field goals. I mean, whether you disagree with that or not, uh, he's right, especially when you get down 10 zip off the bat. Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times the way a game starts or, transpires early determines the way you call a game. 
in that game, they were just like in a hole immediately. Uh, so they, they had to kind of shake up to get out of it. They never never got out of that one. Last week, I mean, against, against Ole Miss, they just rolled. I mean, they just got it. Once they got it going, think about this team that I haven't had the same with any other LSU team uh, except the 2019 team, but I'm not comparing to them. There's no way. When this team offensively gets it going, they're just they're on fire. They'll, they'll score five just you know straight possessions, TD, 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 and then they'll you know they'll have a you know a drought where they don't score for three or four possessions, and they just explode for five in a row. Uh, that's something unusual about this team. You love its come, you love its ability to come back, but you hate the fact you got down to come back. You know, you, when you get down double digits every time and come back. Uh, I mean, it's a great thing to come back, but it's not great to get down that you know, double digits. And they do that a lot. They've done that quite a bit. They do do that a lot, and I think part of that is a team trying to find itself right and trying to learn how to win again. And I do like the fact that they are able to come back, but I agree with you. Against a, a elite competition, you can't do that on a, a week-to-week basis. Let, let's, let's look ahead, Ron, and let's say – they do lose to Alabama, even though I think this is a very vulnerable Alabama team. Uh, the series is always weird. The road team is always usually the better team in this matchup. But but let's say they lose to Bama. I still like their chances to close out with three straight wins against Arkansas, UAB, and Texas A&M, which is an absolute dumpster fire right now. That would make them a 9-3 and three team in year one under Brian Kelly after taking over a program that only had 39 scholarship players. That is a heck of a first year, a foundation year, if that's the case. That, that was my best case scenario at the end of the year. Uh, uh, I'm not yet on board with a 9-3. I, I, with this team, I, you, just, you really do take it week to week. Uh, I just... Uh, I mean, I think people were so relieved to see LSU play so well. They're just like, and then the fact that Alabama, you know, is is struggling. The A&M's awful. Uh, Arkansas all struggling. Arkansas struggling. All of a sudden, LSU fans have LSU in the championship game in Atlanta. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not being pessimistic. I'm just trying to be realistic about it. You're just I mean, cautious this, because it, it is true because you do sure wonder. Week week I, yeah, it's a week-to-week thing with this team. And if you if, if you can see something consistent from week to week, you'll start saying, okay, all right. You know, uh, you know, Alabama is always a litmus test, okay? I mean, uh, they have the best athletes in the league. They have the best talent every year. So they're, they're always a litmus test, whether they're struggling or not. You know, when Alabama did everything possible to, you know, to, to lose the Tennessee game. Everything possible. Missed, you know, they missed the field goals, did everything. Not just everything went wrong for them. And that, that's how Alabama usually loses. Everything goes wrong. Uh, I mean, everything goes wrong for them. I mean, they, they can usually win if two or three things go wrong, but when you got a guy missing field goals all over the place, I mean, that, that's, that happens. Uh, it would also be interesting, Ron, is let's say they lose to Alabama. How do they respond the next week against Arkansas on the road up in Fayetteville, right? That's going to be a big test for them on the road for that. But look, the fact, I think Brian Kelly's a little ahead of the schedule and having a top 25 matchup in Death Valley on a Saturday night, a week from Saturday, is not a terrible thing by any stretch of the imagination, brother. I appreciate your time. 
enjoy your cruise, my friend. Uh, enjoy the adult beverages that will be had. What's your go-to drink again? It sure is. Oh, uh, what, what do I drink? Oh, my God. I drink, uh, well, a little bit of everything. <laughs> well, but, but, you, know, but, but, you know, we've gone cruising for so long that uh, we're one of those cruisers you probably hate because we get free drinks all the time from the casino. Here you go, sir. What would you like? whatever's free thank you i'll take it <laughs> enjoy your cruise brother we'll talk to you next week bud i mean we'll see you <laughs> we're gonna take a time out we'll wrap up hour number two that's all coming up next right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble here in Acadiana. And look, Chris and his team over at LMG, they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. As you've heard me tell you before, LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, your bathrooms, your man caves, and even your she sheds. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their grout-free showers. That's right, no muss, no fuss, and guess what? In a few years, you don't worry, don't have to worry about the odor that comes with grout in your shower. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com, to learn more about all the sensational services and the tremendous products that they have to offer you. Live inventory is updated, guess what? Every Wednesday, that's today, you're in luck. Visit lmgelite.com once again lmgelite.com or stop by their soon-to-be renovated showroom located on i-49 north across from hub city ford in the jockey lot it's lafayette marble and granite they're looking to earn your business and trust me earn it they will poll question of the day is always our foodie poll question of the week on wednesdays what's the best halloween candy right now 53 percent of you say reese's peanut butter cups 18% say Kit Kat, 18% say Other, 11% say Hershey's Minis. Let's get to some comments. Brad on Twitter says, Sweet Tarts was always my favorite candy, especially on Halloween. When you get the mini version, that just about every house hands out. Yeah, that is true. Ralph says, Funny how tastes evolve. As a kid, did not like peanut butter. Now I'm like the St. Bernard in the Chewy commercial. The peanut butter box is here. Reese's, and if you want to go big and full-size, yes, please. Hart says, here to show love to all the underdogs of candy, like the Three Musketeers, the Zeros, and Car Caramellos. Side note, if someone comments candy corn, I will have to adopt five names chopstick method on them. Ooh, man, cool, coming for violence. Mr. Green says, so for me, definitely RPC, Reese's Pieces number two, least favorite things to receive, toothbrush, floss raisins unless chocolate covered in fruit and predictably i'll be dressing up as the phantom from the phantom of the opera which is retiring from broadway for this halloween martin says definitely reese's and butterfingers and for the love of god can people stop handing out those candies wrapped in the black and orange wax papers like they're the yankees of halloween candy no one likes them oh see that's not needed that's not needed <laughs> bite-sized butterfingers says tracy thank you for those comments keep them coming for the poll question of the day. Hour number two done. Hour number three coming up. Jay Walker right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, what a week in sports. Pelicans, they start off their week with a win last night despite not having Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram or Herb Jones. The Pelicans prove they have some of the best depth in the Western Conference as they take down Luka and the Mavericks. Having all five of their starters score in double figures and three of four coming off the bench in double figures as well. We have the World Series later this week. Houston Astros, Philadelphia Phillies. Can the Strohs do something they've never done before? Win game one of a World Series. This will be their fifth. They've never done it before. Also, Justin Verlander, never won a World Series game before. Can the Strohs, who have not dropped a game this postseason, but have not looked great, right? Altuve has struggled. Alvarez has struggled. Can they get the job done? Once again, game one of the World Series is Friday night. You can listen to it live on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. First pitch, 7.03. Astro launch with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks begins at 6.30. Game two, live from Houston, will be Saturday. Same time, 6.30 pregame, 7.03 first pitch. You can listen to that one on the game right here on your home for the Houston Astros. 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. But it's also a big week because the Louisiana Raging Cajuns get to take on an old rival, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. They're going to travel to go play at the Rock in Hattiesburg tomorrow night and to give us a preview of that game and to recap the good, complete team victory over the Arkansas State Red Wolves is the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. Jay Walker joins us now. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I am fine, Astros in five. Ooh, I say Astros in six, but I like your prediction. I do like your prediction. I could see that easily, brother. All right, let's go back to Saturday. Uh, You and I have talked week after week throughout the season of how this team has progressively gotten better. Their low point was against Rice. They dusted themselves off, and every week after that, they got better. And... We finally saw a complete game from them back-to-back weeks, and this was the most dominant we've seen them from start to finish against Arkansas State, their old rival. Tell me, from your vantage point, just how much progression you've seen from this team in all three phases from week one to now as we head to the back half of the schedule. Well, you know, I mean, first of all, I thought the offensive line had their most complete game. Absolutely. You know, when that, when that happens, um, a lot of good things happen. You know, Ben Voltridge was good early and that helped to open up the running game that over 200 yards rushing defensively. Look, they've, they have shown that they are right up there with any team in this league when it comes to defense. And, you know, the kicking game was solid. Um, You know, you're right. It was a complete game. Now, you know, honestly, as soon as uh, James Blackman did not walk on the field to start the game, I said, oh, this, to myself, this game's over. Because the, the, the Cajuns, uh, Arkansas State wasn't good enough to beat the Cajuns without their quarterback. On top of that, on the opening kickoff, 
the Cajuns knocked out their number one running back, and number two was already not playing. So, you know, they were at a complete disadvantage, and at the same time, none of those guys played defense, and the Cajuns had 500 yards in the game. You know, the thing that stood out to me talking to Dez afterwards in the postgame presser, Jay, was the offensive line. And, and, and he made it a point because I asked him about, look, it seems like the offensive line is really kind of coming together. They're starting to gel, and you're seeing that have a ripple effect with the passing game and the running game. And he said, look, he said, he goes, I haven't said this before, but they're just now kind of developing the chemistry because three of our guys didn't practice at all in the spring and other guys were banged up in fall camp. He goes, I didn't want to use it as an excuse, but the reality was is that these guys didn't have reps together. And he goes, there's no position group on the field that needs more reps together to develop chemistry more than the offensive line. And he's exactly right on that part. And now you're seeing these guys healthy and you're starting to see them play to their potential, Jay. Yeah. Yeah, you are. And, um, you know, how much better are they going to get? I don't know. They'll probably tell you there's plenty of room for improvement. I agree. Um, but no, they're, they're, they're playing together. They're, they're cohesive now. Um, and you know, this team, I don't think they're playing their best football that they can play, but they're playing the best football they've played all year. And, um, the only thing that they're going to need to do this week is be even better because it's going to take that. It's going to take that because Southern Miss is an old rival and Southern Miss led by former Cajuns assistant coach Will Hall. They're, they're really kind of led by their defense for sure. Uh, what's the early scouting tell you about the, the, the Golden Eagles? Well, you know, first of all, you know, we, fans can talk about it being a rivalry, but nobody on this Cajun football team has ever played Southern Miss. I mean, well, I mean Mike has, but, um, you know, none of the players have ever played Southern Miss before, not even in the bowl game in 2016. Um, Southern Miss is a team that I think is still trying to find itself offensively. They've used two different quarterbacks. They're playing a redshirt, uh, I'm sorry, a natural freshman right now who's been like the little girl with the curl, you know, the old saying, when she's good, she's very good. When she's bad, she's very bad. Um, he's He's been a bit inconsistent, but when he's been good, this team has, has played well. Frank Gore is an outstanding back. Um, and, you know, they'll – They'll, they'll play out of the wildcat. They'll do a lot of different things offensively. But the strength of this team is its defense. Uh, you know, look, those, those four guys up front, those dudes are good. Uh, that's as good a front as the Cajuns have played all year long. I th- in fact, I think their front seven is as good as the Cajuns have faced this year. you got a lot of transfers on the defensive side of the football, and most of them used to hotty-totty. And uh, I, I think – that if you can protect the quarterback and set some things up, that there might be plays to be made down the field. But um, nobody has run the football against Southern Miss. In fact, I think I have to look it up, see if I'm right. But I think they've held the last two opponents to negative yards rushing. Then how key is it for the Cajuns who have had their passing game kind of come to life the last two to three weeks? be able to kind of set the tone by setting up the run with the passing game? You know, I, I don't know which way they're going to try to do it this week, if they're going to pass to set up the run or run to set up the pass. Either way, it's going to be difficult to run football. I, I'm just saying. Um, but I, I think that, um, you know, you, you've got to be able to go and and execute efficiently, but 
But, Ray, I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, and, of course, if you know me, you know that my opinion has never been humble, so I'm not going to say in my humble opinion. (laughs) Um, I, I think this game is going to come down to the kicking game and field position. Um, and of course, turnovers. But I think the kicking game is going to be huge because I don't see either one of these teams driving the football 80 yards down the field against the other team's defense. I think this two of the three best defenses in the league, I think Troy being the other one, and they're going to get after each other. Um, and so, you know, if you can get a turnover to get a short field, or if you can use the kicking game to flip the field, I think that's the team that's going to have the best chance to win. So you're expecting kind of an old-fashioned slugfest here. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that they're going to bloody each other up. Um, they're going to get after each other. And, you know, the coaches are going to make a big deal out of this because, you know, this, this is going to be the new rivalry in the league. Um, you know, three hours and 15 minutes away. There's history here. Now, the Cajuns have won exactly one time in Hattiesburg in their history. And that was in 1989 when Brian Mitchell outdueled Brett Favre and Mike Lemoyne won it with a 51-yard field goal with the gun to win it. That's the only time they've ever won in Hattiesburg. Uh, they have had a lot of losses in Hattiesburg. In fact, Southern Misses dominated the series. You know, it was 39 to 11 to 1. Um, it's not an easy place to, win, uh, to, to play. It's not an easy place to win. You know, they canceled school today to, to give the students a, a chance to tailgate all day and get all liquored up. So, you know, they're going to be all fired up uh, on Thursday. It's, um, it's not going to be an easy task. It's a task that if the Cajuns play well, they can go ahead and complete. But they're going to have to play awfully well in order to have a chance to win in this one. How much of a disadvantage is it to have such a short turnaround? Uh, you know what? I, I Or is it? Short, well, short turnaround's the same for both teams, okay? Um, the Cajuns were close enough to being healthy, and I think it helped that they held out, you know, Fields and Smith last week. Um, you know, Moncrief didn't play a ton. And I think it's huge that they were able to get all of those guys out of there in the fourth quarter. I agree. Um, and, and so I think that's going to help. You know, if Southern Miss had had a bye last week, I'd say it was a huge advantage for them, but they didn't. They played on Saturday, and um, and they played on the road while the Cajuns were playing at home. So uh, I, I don't think the short week really means a whole lot. We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Uh, they've played a lot over the years. It's been sporadic in recent years, and obviously they played in that bowl game. Uh, there in the New Orleans Bowl. Uh, give me your the, the memory that stands out the most of your time around the program over the years involving Southern Miss and UL. Uh, I'm just going to go back to the 1989 game and the 1990 game. And I wasn't even doing the radio broadcast then, but I was at that game in Hattiesburg because I was doing Nelson Stokely's TV show back then. Wow. Um, wow, okay. So so that was um, that was a very memorable game. Uh, and then in 1990, um, I was the guy who, uh, during the during breaks in the action, you know, read some of the promos uh, in the press box. That was my job that year. And and Brett Favre threw a touchdown pass on the last play of the game to lead Southern Miss to a win. Those two games are the ones I remember the most. 
I've tried to forget most of the rest of them because honestly, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know that I've ever done very many games between Southern Miss and the Cajuns that have been close, especially in Hattiesburg. I mean, I don't remember them coming close to winning in Hattiesburg since I've been doing the games, except in that '89 game that I was at. But you know, usually when you go to Hattiesburg to play, it was a lot to a little. Of course, Southern Miss was really good back then, and the Cajuns weren't. Yeah, I mean, Southern Miss was really good. Back then, uh, I want to say that was even during the era where they actually beat Alabama. Um, back then, because they would play Alabama every year. That used to be a, a game that was always scheduled. Uh, I've never been to the Rock. I've always wanted to go. I've been to Hattiesburg, but I've never been to the stadium. I'll be there tomorrow. The FTSE and I are going to be making the road trip. Uh, what kind of environment can we expect, Jay? Um, well, you know, first of all, Folks, and, 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 I, and I'm sure that these folks aren't going to be going to the game because they're, quote, casual fans, unquote. Um, but anybody who goes to the game is going to find out how blessed uh, Cajun fans are to have a place to park at Cajun Field and right across the street because the stadium's right in the middle of a campus, and they've got a gazillion parking lots, and all of them are small. And um, <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't have paid parking, you're going to walk the better part of a mile to get to the stadium. Um, it is, you know, tailgating is wherever you can do it, but I'll tell you what Southern Miss fans are, uh, are, are going to be very welcoming. Look, they're happy to be in this league. They're happy that they're going to be playing the Cajuns every year. So this is going to be a little bit of a celebration, I think. Um, and I think the Cajun fans feel the same way. So, um, I think Cajun fans will be treated well, but, um, yeah, you're going to find out how lucky you are to have parking close by. <laughs> That's why I made sure to get that parking pass, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good move. Good move. Uh, Jay, appreciate your time as always, bud. Uh, can't wait to see you uh, there in Hattiesburg um, tomorrow night, my friend. Enjoy the call. It'll be a whole lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Go Cajuns. It's Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Joining us here on RP3 and Company, and hey, Cajuns play sad, uh, play Thursday night. No LSU this weekend. Guess what? I got a great local event for you to do this coming weekend. The Karen Crow Cultural District is hosting Crowfest in downtown Karen Crow. It's the Crowfest downtown Karen Crow Fall Festival this Saturday from six to eight o'clock. Families are invited to enjoy a safe trick-or-treating environment along St. Peter Street. They're going to be closing the street for vehicle traffic. So it's going to be an old-fashioned, traditional trick-or-treating environment. Plus, there's going to be games, a haunted house, a petting zoo for the kiddos, a costume contest for the kids, and a pumpkin carving contest, food and drinks, and so much more. It's Crow Fest, downtown Karen Crow Fall Festival, presented by the Karen Crow Cultural District. It's going to be this Saturday from 6 to 8, family-friendly event, old-school kind of traditional trick-or-treating and family fun for the kiddos. Go check it out. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, it'll be time for, wait for it, the foodie poll question of the week roundtable discussion. Hannah Five Names, Moses Campos, Steve Wiley, yours truly, should be interesting. What's the goat when it comes to Halloween candy? 
That's going to be our discussion next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. There was Little Vainant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo. Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the host has now become the guest. I'm sitting in the guest chair here inside the studios, and this feels amazing. Like, is this what life is like for when you guys come in for the foodie poll question of the week roundtable discussion? Pretty much. I've never had the privilege. Oh, oh, oh wild man, not to worry. You're up next next week. Awesome. <laughs> Welcome back to RP3 and Company, where the inmates are running the asylum. I am the big, bald, and beautiful one. We're joined inside the game studios by, well, our illustrious panel to discuss the foodie poll question of the week, which is all about Halloween candy. What is the GOAT? Moses Campos. He is the intern extraordinaire from LSUA, my fellow Alexandria educational brother from another mother. That's right. There's the wild man, the legend, the local legend, Steve Wiley is here with us you give me so much credit anybody that has still that kind of hair at your age i'm going to give you all types of props all right yeah i mean because look at me no, sure it can turn white as long <laughs> as it don't turn loose I'm, I'm, i i look like a, a chia pet that's died <laughs> and of course the producer extraordinaire behind me woo 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 miss hannah five names all right we've been building up for this for weeks, ladies and gentlemen, we've been going through having people vote on the best Halloween candy, and now it's time for us to go with the GOAT. Now, as expected, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups is overwhelmingly winning the vote. As we've talked about, I knew it would. 55% of the folks are saying Reese's PB Cups are the best Halloween candy of all time. Now, 19% say other, 16% say Kit Kat, 10% say Hershey Minis as well. I always love Hershey Minis because you get multiple little candies in there, and that's always a game changer for me. But lots of write-in votes as well. Butterfingers have been mentioned. Um, a, a lot of people have also, uh, Steve, Salty Steve, mentioned Candy Apple going back in the day. Others have mentioned Almond Joy as well. Tootsie Roll, Tootsie Pop. So we'll open it up here for the discussion, and we're going to go with the man that sits in my chair right now, which is normally my chair, the intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos. Moses, the goat when it comes to Halloween candy is what for you? The goat for me? I'm part of the 16% that says Kit Kat. Oh, that's a good choice. But a close second is Reese's. So you go with... Kit Kat is your number one for the greatest Halloween candy of all time. And then Reese's Peanut Butter Cups is a close second. Yes. Like we're talking 1A, 1B situation. Pretty much. 
I can respect that. How do we how do we react to Moses going with Kit Kat Reese's one A one B? I don't like it. Oh, of course you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Something new and different here. <laughs> Hannah, Hannah and Moses. End all be all. Hannah seems like the type to write other and just put Almond Joy. No. <laughs> wow. As soon as I read Almond Joy, I was like, ooh. Uh, uh. That's, mm. Okay, no. so you disagree. Now, Moses says Kit Kat 1A, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups 1B. Since you disagree with the intern extraordinaire, the man that's gunning for your job, <laughs> what is the goat for you, producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names? Reese's, obviously. My stepdad, if we ever were upset or angry, he'd always bring home Reese's and root beer for me and my mom. Bandwagon. No, not bandwagon. <laughs> I love peanut butter. And do, I love chocolate. Chef's kiss. Do you guys, have you ever met people that take the Reese's peanut butter cups and put them in the freezer? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Right? Do you do that? Mm-hmm. Now, do you do it because maybe it gets a little melted on the way home, or do you just like it a little bit chilled? A little bit chilled. Yeah. They actually just started it like a couple months ago where in gas stations they'll actually have some Reese's that are in the fridge like with the like the drinks. Wait a minute. Are we talking about the fridge or the freezer? I do both. I've I seen really it both. like freezer. I have seen it in stores now where they are putting Reese's peanut butter cups in the walk-in cooler. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. They have I've a little thing yeah. now because I think they realize that some people will like it that way. I'm surprised they do it with all chocolate because I love Kit Kat too. It comes out of the freezer, let it chill for maybe like a minute, and yeah. eat that. Oh yeah, that's. So okay, Chef's you say kiss. you say Reese's peanut butter cups is your absolute goat, Hannah. Yes. But is Kit Kat your one B then? No, it's just two. It's just two. Okay, wow. so like there's I a clear division. The yeah. Disrespect. Like I wrote save the dates, and we the sent out disrespect. some. We sent out some save the dates to like bigger companies, and one of them was Hershey's company. Directly to Reese's. I hope they send you the worst candy they have because you disrespect the Kit Kat like that. But wow. Hershey's has all the good candy anyway. <laughs> Hershey's company wow. gets everything. Wow. Okay. So she says Reese's peanut butter cups. A distant second, a clear number two would be Kit Kat. Moses has said 1A is Reese's peanut butter cups. He says 1B. Oh, no. Say he said, well, I'm sorry. Kit Kat is your 1A. Reese's is a 1B. Very close for you. All right, Wild Man, you're the man with all the experience. You are the candy aficionado. What are you going with? Well, I got to tell you, I'm feeling a little bit disturbed right now. Disturbed. <laughs> is that is that because you're having to look directly at me for a change? Because <laughs> we're face-to-face here in the studio? Well, that might be a subconscious part of it. <laughs> the thing of it is, I'm reminded of a quote from Mark Twain. When you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to reevaluate. And you know me, how I love to swim upstream. Yes, you, know? you do. Uh, but I got to tell you, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, hands down. Hands Boom. down. That's it. It's yeah. not even close. Nope. Nothing else. Nope. Nothing else. Well, I mean, everything on the list sounds good to me. You know, the, the Hershey's Minis, of course, and Kit Kat. I mean, those are wonderful, right? But, but Hershey's... Hershey's, I mean, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, that's it. Oh, yeah. So, one says he, uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Another one says Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Another one says Reese's Peanut Butter Cups is a close second. The 1B action. I can't believe I'm actually doing this, but I actually agree with the majority as well. 
it's Reese's peanut butter cups. It just is. Yeah. It, it just is. As much as I love Kit Kats and love Hershey Minis, and I love a, a ton of other Starburst and Skittles, and we could go down the, the, the line of great Halloween candy Snickers, for me, it's Reese's peanut butter cups and even the little miniature ones that you get for Halloween. It's just, it's the perfect candy. It's chocolate. It's peanut butter. It's brought together in a majestic and, way. And you can't even have it. I can't. Well, what I do, I usually have one and then just have a Benadryl on standby. Perfect. <laughs> so like I can deal idea. with it. So I can deal with eating because I'm allergic to peanut butter. But it is, look, it, it's it's cliche to say, but it is it is the goat. It is yeah. the goat. I've actually received the, uh, for Valentine's one year, I received the two pound. That's too much. Reese's peanut butter cup. <laughs> That's too it took much. me one week to eat it. Wow. No, it's not too much. You share it with your loved one. Did you share? <laughs> she did I share. Don't know. She See, did. That's way too much. <laughs> People, the thing is, she, though, she I had it share. at my. So we had in for band for you know high school. We had like big huge locker rooms, and we'd have a big huge locker for like your instrument, all that stuff. So in my locker, I had the Reese's peanut Reese's butter. butter. Yeah, it was like this. Um, on, on top of the cast right now, so it's like this big, and you can get it like at almost any store now. But I had that, and he would try to take a bite of it. And they couldn't. So some of you were bringing knives so that they can cut so a time piece out, of my time out. ball. T- t- I have to interject. Yes. Not only Please. do we have to wrap up the segment, but also, <laughs> so you had a ginormous two-pound Reese's peanut butter cup just hanging out in your locker, and people were stopping by bringing their own knives and forks to cut up the Reese's peanut butter cup so it became a community Reese's peanut butter cup? Basically, but it was only for, like, the band kids. And we were first all, all a close-knit group. First of all, first of all, how you didn't get the bubonic plague that way, <laughs> A, one. Two, gross, I'm not letting other people come up on my candy. Wait, you you don't they, know where their knives have been or their forks have been. You have any idea? I was always there. I was always there when they did it. But you don't know where they came from. At least did you make them there. use protection? Stop. <laughs> but it was always kept in a, in a very tightly zipped... I don't gallon size freezer bag so that nothing could get They into do it. things differently in Slidell. That's what we're learning it's through this. In the, the Slidell, they do things a little bit different. Whoop, whoop. Whoopity woo. The thing to be remembered <laughs> here is that this was high school. All right, yeah. now, Hannah, you're not in high school anymore. No, I want to share candy now. I don't like Ken having candy. Kenneth's like, I want something. No. Well, that's just so mean. Good you, sh- you shared with random band geeks, but not with your fiance. Okay, that makes yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah, because he'll eat it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for this roundtable discussion about the greatest Halloween candy of all time. For the intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos, the wild man, Steve Wiley, and of course the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. I'm RP3. We got to take a timeout, but when we return, I'll get back on the big desk. We'll talk with Andrew Judes from the Saints Happy Hour podcast, all things black and gold, coming up for the Big Easy Blitz. That's next, right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Boudin is ready for Saints talk. They give to Camara, breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone, touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast joins us now here on RP3 and Company for the Big Easy Blitz. 
Brother, how are you doing? How's it going as a Saints fan on this lovely Wednesday, October the 26th? Well, you know, I got to be honest, uh, Raymond, this Sunday uh, when the Saints weren't playing was one of the most beautiful Sundays of the season. Um, and that's because the Saints weren't playing partly. And so there wasn't kind of the the depression, the sadness of watching their performance on the field. But then you watch Tampa lay an egg against Carolina, a team that's already waving the white flag and basically forfeiting their season because they've traded away McCaffrey. They've traded away uh Robbie Anderson and they're already down to their third string quarterback. So to watch Tampa go down in flames in that game. And of course, Atlanta, I think Joe Burrow actually just threw for another touchdown against them just now. Um, but, uh, you know, that was a great Sunday. And so, you know, it's, it's winded my sales and the saints weren't playing. So, uh, things are looking up, Raymond. I wish we could do that every weekend. Well, I mean, uh, you know, you could always just pretend they're not playing. Um, how surprised are you by how poorly the defense has played this season? Yeah, uh, pretty surprised. Now, there has been some injuries, and we know that Lattimore is a key cog, so it doesn't surprise me that things would be going backwards on the other side of a Lattimore injury. Uh, but if you ask me what's going well for the defense right now, uh, I don't really know that I could point to anything. Um, you know, I would say the linebackers have played well overall. I've been pleased with the Mario Davis and Pete Werner I would say they've both played well uh, I'd say for the most part Cam Jordan has done his thing um, and so those are maybe positive areas but but other than that uh, look this defense over the last three years they've been so good at stopping the run and that, that's really not happening and by the way in Josh Jacobs you have a guy coming into the Superdome on Sunday who's been on fire he averages 5.7 yards per carry this season especially over the last three weeks He's been close to unstoppable. So uh, from a matchup point of view, that's really concerning, uh, just that the Saints aren't stopping the run at all. And that's really been a, a key part of their success the last few years. Uh, I don't feel like this team is tackling well at all, especially in the secondary. Uh, you know, Justin Evans and Teron Matthew in particular, I think, are kind of the, the common offenders there. And then uh, on top of that, you know, the injuries are starting to pile up. So, um I am surprised. I, but to me, Raymond, I, the biggest surprise on this side of the ball is you look at Davenport, you look at Onyemata. They have one sack on the season combined. They have zero tackles for a loss combined. I mean, you look at the backups. Contavious Street has two tackles for a loss this year. Uh, Granderson has two tackles for a loss this year. Um, Tano Passigno has two tackles for a loss this year. Onyemata and Davenport, who play way more than all those guys I just mentioned, have zero combined. So they're not getting in the backfield. They're not making plays. They're not finishing plays. And, and those are guys that the Saints invested in financially. They're, they're counting on those guys to deliver. And uh, I, I'd say that's been the biggest disappointment is the defensive line outside of Cam Jordan really has just been non-existent this season. Linebackers have been good, Davis and Werner. But you're right, the defensive line doesn't get enough pressure and they're getting no contributions from anyone else not named Cam Jordan. And he has not been great. He's been good, but yeah, he's he's at the back end of his career. And the back end of the secondary, I understand injuries have played a role. But when I watch Paulson Adebo play, when he's healthy, I see him regressed from last year. I saw potential last year. I saw a guy that I thought was going to take a step up in year two. I haven't seen that. And well, I, to be honest yeah. with you, 
I haven't seen greatness from Lattimore either. He had the one good game where he always shuts down Tampa Bay, but the other games he when he's played, he hasn't looked great. He hasn't been great. He's been good. He hasn't been great. And certainly Justin Jefferson had, had the upper hand in Minnesota against him. That was yep. a game that was in particular where that, that cost the Saints dearly. You know, with Adebo, he's not healthy. Uh, obviously, he had a great training camp, great preseason. That was all the talk in the media was that he was going to maybe be as good as Lattimore and have a great year. And unfortunately, he gets the high ankle sprain. I think he tried to come back a little too early. Uh, you could tell that he wasn't moving well. And then the Saints shut him down against Arizona. So I guess on four days rest, they didn't feel like that was enough time for him to recover. But obviously that high ankle sprain is still lingering and uh, they just didn't feel like he was ready to go. So he, he is not healthy. And I think that's been one of the biggest reasons why I think you're seeing his regression. And that's been a common theme for this team is injuries uh, up and down the roster. You can't make this up. It's unbelievable how every week it's a different guy going down. And um, that that's been a significant contribution, I think, to just how, decimated the secondary has been now Bradley Roby just went on IR so you're 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 out with him for a while uh depending on Lattimore and Adebo if they can't come back this week you might be down your top three corners uh going into this game uh obviously PJ Williams is on IR we're waiting for him to come back so there's four guys that the Saints are counting on that are kind of meaningful contributors in the secondary that are all out and I think that's part of why you're seeing a lot of these explosive big plays the Saints are being forced to play Alante Taylor, a rookie, they're being forced to play Chris Harris, who was essentially retired and out of the NFL before the Saints brought him out of retirement. Um, and, you know, obviously, Teron Matthew and Justin Evans have not been playing well. I think those are kind of common offenders when you look at those big plays that the Saints are giving up. So, uh, yeah, it's not good right now. And we'll be keeping a close eye on the injury report that comes out today, Raymond, because in theory, 10 days off, the Saints should be getting some guys healthy talking with Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. I get injuries play a role. I do not deny that fact whatsoever. And it does feel like this team is snake bitten. Uh, but no team has given up more points than the Saints. They rank in the bottom of a ton of different categories defensively. Even if you take away the two pick sixes uh, from the game Thursday night, they're still, they still have given up the second most points all year right behind the Detroit Lions. But this offense... Well, yeah, they, there's also two other defensive touchdowns they've given up against no, Carolina. Uh, but but Andrew, a, a, Andrew, that, that's my point is the offense can score points with Andy Dalton yeah. and scrubs at wide receiver. So you can't use injuries as an excuse because the offense, which hasn't had Michael Thomas for most of the season, hasn't had Jarvis Landry for most of the season, has had Jameis Winston playing with stress fractures and he's been injured, has had Alvin Kamara miss time, has had offensive line banged up, they still find a way to score enough points to win games. So like, I, I get that injuries are, are, are a thing here, and I'm not trying to be argumentative for argumentative's sake, but the offense has been plastered and bothered by a plethora of injuries as well. They still find ways enough ways to score enough points to win ball games. They're not winning ball games. That's fair, yeah. No, I, and I think one of the bigger issues, which really shouldn't be personnel dependent, is is the tackling has been so poor. Oh, it's been so bad. Really, really yeah, it's been terrible. And so that, that's that's kind of football one on one. If you can't tackle, you're not going to win games. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe the most pleasant thing about the Saints this year has been the play up front of the offensive line, and that's kept them in games. That's allowed them to hum offensively without some of those guys that you talk about. So the play up front has been really good. Um, and that's helped them score points. But you know, the Saints lead the league in turnovers. So 
I do think the amount of points that they score is a little bit of a mirage in the sense that that's great if you're gaining yards and putting up points, but if you're also giving away the football at a historic rate, at a rate that's higher than any other team in the league, then that's not winning football. That's not a winning combination. So I think the offense has had their own issues in the sense that maybe being a little too aggressive, uh, if you're gaining those yards and scoring those points, but being reckless in doing so, not playing efficient football, uh, you're still putting your team at a disadvantage to win games. And so that's fair. And, that, and, that's that, fair. and that goes to the four touchdowns that have gone back the other way uh, based on turnovers. Um, and so, you know, the defense is certainly missing their tackles. They're giving up their plays. And I would definitely say that on, on in totality, if, if you were to look at the Saints issues, uh, I would blame the defense more than anywhere else. All the special teams has had their problems, too. I mean, the Saints just don't play complimentary football top to bottom. And I, that, that's the bottom line. And, uh, you know, look, I, I think if you were to ask me right now, what are the biggest reasons for the Saints losing these games? I would actually say number one is turnovers. Uh, they lead the league, and you cannot win games turning the football over. Uh, number two, I would probably say injuries because they've had a lot of them. And number three would be tackling. Uh, but there's no question that those three are responsible for uh, kind of the skid that the Saints are on. But look, unbelievably, in these five games they've lost, they were all one-score games. So it, to me, it just feels like if you can just fix one of those, uh, you know, the two and five might become four and three, right? You can maybe flip a couple of these results if you just get a little healthier or if you just tackle a little better, or if you just stop turning it over, just do one of those three things, and that might be enough to help this team win some games. Do you believe they can start turning things around Sunday against the Raiders? Uh, depends on this injury report today, so I'm waiting for that. But uh, I, I do believe they can. Uh, I think it's a tough matchup. Again, I, look, I, I think the Raiders are kind of looking a little bit better the last couple of weeks, and I, I think they're – with Carr, they have a quarterback that's certainly capable. I mean, they have Devontae Adams now. Uh, look, Waller missed, missed last week, and he's a big player for them at tight end. And so, obviously, if he misses again this week, that would be big for the Saints. So that's another injury report to watch to hope that maybe that's a matchup you don't have to deal with. Uh, but the Raiders are going to give up points defensively, and I, I do think this is a defense, once again, that the Saints can attack. But I think on the other side, you have to expect that Carr, Jacobs, they're going to be able to score. And so what I think the Saints have to do, and once again, it sounds like beating a dead horse, but you can't turn the football over. This, the margin for error in these games for the Saints is so small that if they're beating themselves, they don't have a prayer. So this comes down to whether it's Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton, we don't know which guy will be starting yet. Um, they've got to be able to protect the football. Who do you got? You know, I think the Raiders take this one. I, I do oh. think it'll be competitive. I, I still think the Saints uh, are, are struggling to find an identity defensively. Uh, and, and to me, until they start tackling, until they start stopping the run, uh, I mean, this is as big of a challenge as you'll face, Josh Jacobs, and, and just the level that he's playing at right now. So, um, you know, I, I think if Michael Thomas can come back and make an impact, obviously that would be huge. Uh, but right now the Saints are – they, they seem like they're sinking. And uh, as much as it's there for the taking, like they're only one game out of first place. They're only one game out of the wild card, unbelievably. Uh, but I just don't see a team playing good enough football to win right now. Whew. So that being said, if they lose Sunday, is the season lost in your opinion? Not really. Uh, ah! I mean, when you look at the, when okay. you look at the NFC right. South, uh, it's, it's a dumpster fire, man. <laughs> what do you want? I mean, Look, 
to me, if you ask me right now who I think is going to win the NFC South, I would pick Atlanta. And they lost to the Saints. They And they look awful. I mean, you saw them play against Joe Burrow, but I just think Tampa, look, they don't even have turnovers as, as an excuse. They just lost to Mitch Trubisky, and they just lost to P.J. Walker back-to-back. Tom Brady lost back-to-back weeks to quarterbacks that should not be even playing in this league, right? But and they don't even have turn, turnovers as, as an excuse. It's not like they gag the game away like the Saints do every week. Tampa just legitimately can't do it right now. And so, to me, their problems are way more, way worse than the Saints. They're not fixable. So, and Carolina, to me, like I said, they're already, they've already waved the white flag. So, I just think all, all you have to do really is you're one game back. You just got to be better than Atlanta. And, and so, I, I kind of think even if they lose this week, it's they go on a little run here where they start to win some games and play a little bit better and get a little healthier as possible. Brother, appreciate your time. As always, my friend, enjoy your week and try to enjoy your Sunday, maybe. (laughs) And we'll talk to you on Wednesday. As Saints fans, the key is just hate watch the other NFC South teams and you'll be happy. (laughs) Thank you for your time, brother. I'll talk to you next week. Anytime. Thanks, (laughs) Randy. See you, bud. Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour Podcast joining us here on RP3 and Company. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up today's show. Uh, we'll have the final results from our foodie poll question of the week. That's all coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs> Oh, I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests. Sean Paul Harrison from Lopa. They have their Trail Run for Life event this coming Sunday. I want to thank Ron Higgins from Tiger Details. I want to thank Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And I want to thank Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Our final results of the foodie poll question of the week, which is our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. What's the best Halloween candy? of you say Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, 17% say Other, 16% say Kit Kats, and 9% of you say Hershey's Minis. For the intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos, the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there, be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.